Welcome to the Content Podcast, Conversations with Silicon Valley's Creatives. I'm Daniel Garcia, your host and the cultivator of Content Magazine, published by SV Creates. This episode of the Content Magazine Podcast is brought to you by Bonfire, a Silicon Valley digital agency building elevated websites for ambitious brands. Find out more about Bonfire at bonfire.com. Hello, this is Phil. Today we talk with Phil Moresca. He's the owner of Philco, an events company that produces events and festivals for local organizations and community groups. Hey, Phil, this is Daniel. How are you doing? Hey, Daniel. Thanks for the call, man. Yeah, it's so good to talk with you. I was just thinking about the last time I think I saw you was when you were leading an online uh, bingo uh, music trivia yeah, event. My, my 80s music bingo game. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome. And you were, you know, the fun thing was, is like you were, you were jamming out. <laughs> I so, love it. Uh, I yeah. love it. So. Yeah, it's really cool. So, um, hey, I do want to check. I mean, you have been around the San Jose scene uh, for a while. You've been, you know, uh-huh. really influential in some of the changes and kind of like making us have even a scene. And uh, according to uh, calculations that I've been given, <laughs> it's about, 35 years is when you first came down, I think, from Oasis in San Francisco to check out San Jose for a possible uh, club, right? Yeah, yeah. They had, you know, this was pre-email and internet, so but they had a mailing list, and they, fig- they, they figured that about 30 to 35% of the people were driving up from San Jose to come wow. to the Oasis in San Francisco. And so they like, hey, let's go down there and see what this is all about, what's going on down there. And so they sent me down to just meet the right people, and and they found a site. Um, and um, it took a while to get it off the ground, but we did actually build a club down here. Yeah, and that's now, was and I've that been here ever F- since, pretty much. And and was that the FX? Was that the club that they that they did that, or did, was no? It, it was it was actually an oasis. Um, so they built another oasis, and then I left Oasis, went back to San Francisco for a year to do the Warfield. Um, okay. and then came down back down here to open FX. And so FX was, was my club. Um, Oasis, yeah. I, I opened for somebody else. Okay. And the Oasis was, that was actually like, like a little north of like what San Pedro Square Market was. Is that where that was? Or first in, uh, first in St. James, um, okay, right yeah. on St. James Park. Yeah. Right. And right. So, by the we weird church building, right. That weird. We old... were there when, yeah, it was an old, um, break shop that they yeah. turned around and made it into a club with a swimming pool outside. So That's we right. actually built a swimming pool and we took one of the, um, we, we took one of the, uh, brake pits, you know, where they get under the car. Um, yeah. and we made that into what we call the art pit. And we had art installations happening in this pit that people could watch from above. It was pretty cool yeah. for the time. Yeah. 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 And then FX was down where Ritz is right now. Currently. Yeah, so uh, so FX was along with Cactus, Marsugis, mm-hmm. Ajax. We were the start of Sofa. I mean, yeah. Sofa didn't exist before um, before 1989, and uh, we actually coined it and got people using it. Um, yeah. So that's kind of a fun thing. Yeah, you were part of the actually coming up with the name of the Sofa District, right? Yes. Yes. And then I convinced we were right next door to Metro at the time. And I convinced uh, Dan and David at Metro to start using the name for the neighborhood. And then um, that 
that it caught on. And then yeah. we started the Sofa Street Fair in 1992. Um, and that kind of cemented the identity. There was no going back after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So see, that's the thing is like the influence that you've had. And I know even with Philco, which uh, if I remember correctly, it, it kind of morphed because you were in those early yeah. days, you were sitting on boards and you were the guy who knew about working with the city and alcohol permits. Is that right? And that's how Philco started? Or? Yeah. So so the way I started Philco was a consulting um, firm and it was just me and I would help people navigate the permit process because we went through a long drawn out process to get FX open and the yeah. Oasis prior to that. So yeah. I had a lot of experience in working red tape in City Hall. So I'm like, hey, <laughs> I can help people do this. Um, but that morphed into more of an event business just because the demand was there. San Jose was downtown. San Jose was starting to happen big for events and music in the park had started and I was volunteering for them and, and the jazz festival had started. I was volunteering for them. So I was doing a lot of volunteer event work while trying to get my business off the ground. And then I realized, um, I could get paid for doing the stuff that I'm volunteering for. And I talked to all the people in the events, I'm like, well, of course we'll pay you if you do this, this, and this. And so I ended up learning from the ground up. You know, I always tell people, how do you get in the event business? You volunteer. You know, you yeah, start yeah. as a volunteer, and I worked my way up to running the thing. So Yeah, that's cool. Well, and I have to say, too, yeah. especially, you know, for me, coming on the scene with content and stuff like that, your help has been incredible, and I really appreciate it. I mean, like the way that you've helped us sure. navigate, and Kristen navigate all the, the craziness of, you know, ABC. Yeah, because because you, you yeah. guys had the you, you had the drive and the the creative talent to make things happen, but sometimes you just need somebody to point you in the right direction, and and that's what I did, you know, yeah. with you with Kristen in the in the early days of your pickup parties, you know, yeah, it was it was real important because people are like, no, you can't do that, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate your help on that. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said, can you help this guy, Daniel? They're trying to make this party happen and running into brick walls. I'm like, I know a brick. I know all about the brick walls. <laughs> You're the man with the ax. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, yeah. so then when you were, when you were just uh, a young Phil, um, like, uh-huh. you know, like five years old, 10 years old, running around, uh, you know, riding your big wheel or whatever, um, did you... Had you ever even thought about this type of business? And even how did you get, how did you get into kind of like the club uh, scene first? I mean, I could see that we, we definitely we see the transition into oh, Philco. But how did you get into the yeah, club so scene? From, from, the, from the nightclub to events was an easy transition um, because it's pretty much the same thing, except you don't have to do it every single day. A yeah. nightclub is, is running an event business every night. Um, but this was, you know, it's more sane to do it, honestly. And even though the (laughs) events are bigger, it's just more sane. Um, but no, I started in, um, when I was in college, um, I went to school in Vermont and, uh, the drinking age was 18. So my freshman year in college, I was working in a bar to help pay my tuition. Um, and, uh, so I started at 18. So I worked 20 years in the bar business before okay. I, before I started FX. So people okay. say to me, so, how could you work 20 years and, and, and not even be 40? I'm like, cause I started at 18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So were you, uh, so you were a bartender, I mean, mixing drinks and doing all that. Kind yes. Of, yes. Yeah. I was yeah. a bartender. And, and when I accidentally, um, moved to San Francisco, uh, it was easy to get a job. Um, yeah. so I, you know, 
And once, you know, working as a, in a bar in San Francisco, once you start, you, you don't really turn around and go back to Vermont. Yeah. So, okay, you said accidentally moved to San Francisco. Is that what yeah, you said? I was driving cross country with a friend and um, my brakes went out in the Rocky Mountains and, and it cost every penny I had to get them fixed. So uh -huh. I called my friend in San Francisco and said, I need a job. And she's like, I know a gal works in a bar. Um, she'll set you up. So I arrived in San Francisco on a set on a Friday, interviewed on Saturday and started work on Monday. So it was, you know, it, it was yeah. it was that easy. And when, when something happens that easy, that's why I say I accidentally moved here because it was yeah. not my plan. Um, yeah. But once I started work, I never went back. Yeah, that's cool. What what uh, places did you bartend at? I wonder if I might have been at the bar sometime. <laughs> um, well, you mentioned Oasis, also yeah. the DNA Lounge. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, the same thing with Soma. Soma was in San Francisco wasn't really a place for straight people until Oasis, right? Yeah. And that was when Oasis when Oasis opened in '84. Um, yeah. We uh, we became a nightclub for everybody. It was a it was right. a former gay bathhouse that they converted into yeah. a into a dance club with a with a swimming pool. Um, yeah. And so so from there I came down here, and then I also worked the Warfield. I worked. Um, the uh the old waldorf and um, wolfgangs and so i worked mm -hmm. for bill graham for a while um yeah. that was that was an amazing experience taught me a lot about yeah. the 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 concert business because i was al always interested in the music part of yeah. the nightclub business right and, well that was the uh, thing i was particularly the... alternative music that was the thing that I was even kind of getting to is what what was it? I mean, you were went to school in Vermont, you're you're and then the road trip you broke and you ended up here. But what was the original kind of goal when you were in college or what were you thinking um was it gonna was, be in college it was just about making money and, and and getting free drinks, right? That's why you work <laughs> in a bar. <laughs> you do it you, you do it to to get free drinks for your friends, um, yeah. and to pay your bills. Yeah. And so, it, you know, and then once that started, um, you know, honestly, I, f I figured out pretty quickly that I was good at it. Yeah. Um, and uh, and because I enjoyed the social part of it, I enjoyed the drinking and, and you know, it was I was in my 20s here. Yeah. So I enjoyed the drugs a little bit. But um, but eventually I, I the, the responsibility part took over and, and I realized, hey, I can do this well. Um, and do it responsibly. And that was important to me. I don't think yeah. I would have lasted as long as I did if I didn't, if I didn't take it seriously and responsibly. You, know, you could yeah. still have a good time. Um, yeah. And I allow, always allowed my staff, particularly at FX, I, I always allowed them to have a good time. But I gave them enough responsibility that it, they took it seriously and respected you know, yeah. the, the law and what we had to get done. So then, but what were you taking in college? What were you doing... Was sociology. sociology. So I was a, I was a sociology major. Okay. And, um, <laughs> I, I, people say, oh, that must be worthless. No, I use it every day. Um, right. yeah. Sociology is what has helped me determine my events and, and how to run them and how to work with people and how yeah. to prepare. You know, one of the things that my clients always say is how um, prepared I am. And um, and how I know how to make people feel comfortable in a in a unusual situation. 
So, um, so I was able to do a lot of unusual things and kind of, uh, make people feel good about it. Um, and that is, you know, that's my, that's my degree. That's my background. Um, but it's also, it's also helped, you know, kind of develop my personality as well. So I I never regret, um, that sociology degree. I use it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I was even, I was even thinking like, uh, probably every mixologist is a sociologist, you know what I mean? Yeah, to some degree, yeah, right? Yeah, or a psychologist. Um, one of the or other a psycho- Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So now then, uh, now you. So Philco has been going on, and with that, you started uh, Sofa uh, Street Fair. Yes. And the, so now the first Sofa Street Fair was ninety two. Ninety two. So you said that was that was before Philco. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. And and yeah. so it was ninety two. We did that for ten years, and then um, and then let it go, um, and uh, and brought it back um, thirteen years later, um, yeah. in twenty fourteen. Yeah, that's right. And now um, I think you've actually continued to do it. That, that was the thing. You were one of the first kind of like multi artist events that I went to during COVID, which was a sofa yeah. street fair that you did. Uh, back yeah, in the so day. What, yeah. we had already started to plan the Sofa Street Fair because we do it um, every year in April and September. Yeah. So, you know, early March, we were only six weeks away. So we had a lot of it underway. Um, yeah. And then when when everything shut down in mid-March, we had to scramble and, and it was like, OK, do we cancel it? or postpone it but since there were so many question marks we just said well let's figure out a way to do it um and some a few artists had already been dabbling in live streaming um and so we just called all the artists that we had already been working with and said do you know how to do this do you need some help and essentially we ended up with 125 artists performing live from their home or their garage or their studio or their backyard and um and filming it on their phones and uploading it right so we had all these different different channels and um it was it was confusing it was weird (laughs) um it was fun and i had i had already been working with zoom um, because, uh, one of my outside activities is I'm on the board of directors of an arts group out of New York city, and we would have our monthly board meetings on zoom. So I was familiar with it. And, um, and so we said, well, this is what we can use as like a meeting room. So we were doing our meetings in zoom and, uh, and, and then we decided to use it as a kind of as a chat room. And so part of that first sofa, experience that um that we did online in april of 2020 was um zoom chat rooms where people could drop in and talk to the artists so it was like going backstage right you could go hang out and chit chat with an artist who had just performed in their living room yeah so it was cool it was um, interesting because yeah that beginning part i mean when when COVID hit i mean so obviously you're doing events which is very much like location and people and coming together, you had the need. Yeah, outdoor you, events is all yeah, I did, right? Yeah, so. right. And you had Sofa, <laughs> you had the Sofa Street Fair kind of coming up. And so everybody, that even within a couple weeks into it, it's like all the circles, you became very much like the go-to guy, um, you know, from, yeah. 
I think even at the ICA was doing like a, a fundraiser or something like that. Yep. There was some night and it was all like, you got to talk to Phil, you got to talk to Phil, you got to talk to Phil. So what was going on in your head when the, when it hit, um, like how did you pivot so quickly and so well? I mean, you were, the, you know, I, you, you know, with the, the one-eyed man in the world of the blind is king, right? <laughs> no. yeah. And then, yeah. And not that you're like, you didn't know what you were doing, but at the beginning time, it was like nobody knew what to do, but it seemed like you really came in quickly with like, oh, that's, you could do this. Oh, I got this. So how did that all come about? Well, with my with my background in outdoor events, especially large outdoor events, you have to be prepared for anything that's going to happen. Right. Yeah, and yeah. and you have to be able to I mean, pivot's a big word last year. But yeah. prior to that, I was pivoting constantly because <laughs> when the city would say, no, you can't do that. And they tell it tell you two weeks before your event that you have right. to do something different or why don't you have this permit? I'm like, I wasn't told I needed it, you know, so right. there, there's a lot of last minute flipping, you know, that happens in the event business all the time in the live event business. So yeah. this was a skill that that I had honed. you right. right. And and yeah. I don't and I don't panic and I don't um, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't react or shut down. I thrive in those yeah. kinds of situations. So this yeah. was this was just like that. It's just like, OK. Every event you have has been canceled. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to figure out a way to get people together from their homes. And um, Zoom was key in the beginning. Now there's there's lots of other platforms. But in the beginning, that's all there was. And everybody kind of latched onto it. Not just the business community, but there were lots of people in the arts community who were trying to figure out how can I use this? Yeah. to to keep in touch with my audience and that's what it was all about you mentioned ICA mm-hmm. um, yeah, city lights theater mm-hmm. stage company everybody has to figure out how do i keep in touch with my audience because yeah. your audience and your supporters are still out there yeah. um, but you've got to find a way to bring them in and in the early days people appreciated every little bit of contact you yeah. know cuz you're because you're on lockdown and you're used to going out and seeing people and doing things. So having giving them an opportunity to connect yeah. was really and, and even with something as simple as bingo. And with ICA, I think we did about six or seven bingos with them. Yeah, and it was yeah. really fun. And, um, you know, every week they were having people show up. And I was I was doing my own bingo game, the 80s music bingo on Wednesday nights. And then mm-hmm. ICA said, well, we want Thursday night. So I was having, I had, I had <laughs> those two every week. And then I was getting calls from people all the time. Can you yeah. help us develop an event that we can do virtually? Yeah. Um, and so it was, there was a lot of guidance and it was all people I knew, you know, Daniel, yeah. it was people calling me just saying, what do we do? Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was nice being in that position that I could help people figure things out. Well, that was the funny thing too. I remember it was like some, you know, city organization meeting or whatever. And it was like the big question, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And then I forget who it was, but in that meeting with, I think it was like, there was restauranteurs, there was arts venues, there was, uh, bars or like a whole mix of city type of businesses, right. Or, or, community mm-hmm. 
And someone said something, and they were like, well, you need to talk to Phil Moresca from Philco because he's, you know what I mean? And it was like, you could see everybody like putting their, <laughs> you know, taking the notes on the side. I'm like, okay, Phil. So Yeah, um, I got a definitely... lot of calls after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, was so then how about for you, though? I mean, this is, you know, to pivot and to do that and to thrive on, you know, change and having that great skill of adaptability is good. But for you, you know, how's, how's it been this last 15, 16, whatever months it is. Um, how you, how have you, well, yeah, I mean, your soul, I can't live, I can't live on bingo. Right. I mean, it's, it's fun to do and, and seeing the same, you know, uh, the bingo game I started, um, we started it on, on March 17th. So it was literally the week of, of, uh, of the shutdown, you know, um, we started online and, and have done it every Wednesday since we're at 62 weeks now that we've wow. been doing it. But wow. that's that. So that was my that was my emotional tie that kind of kept that was my through, you know, yeah. and that's what yeah. kept me. That's what kept me uh, because it's fun and I enjoy it. Um, yeah. And I would be able to see the same people and we'd be able to talk about what's going on in each other's lives. And when are we going to get a you know, when are we going to get um, a vaccine and who's been mm-hmm. tested? And, you know, we kind of we kind of played through the whole thing. Yeah. With, with bingo. But what um, what you mentioned about the, the arts groups meeting, a very similar meeting happened in the county. Um, so so the county um, back in April and May of last year, um, mm. the county was in emergency session, obviously. Um, so when, when there's an emergency, you they pull people from all different departments and they put them in a room and say, here's what we got to do. How are we going to do it? And yeah. one of the things they were struggling with was um, we have to ramp up testing. The demand for testing is really high. Oh, yeah. How yeah. are we going to do this in the community and do it safely? We, we can't bring people into a hospital. We can't bring people, you know, there were so many unknowns. So they were talking in a meeting and somebody happened to say, <laughs> you know, well, this yeah. is kind of like throwing an event. And then uh-huh. at that point, a guy in the room said, well, I know a guy named Phil from Philco and three other people in this room said, I know Phil. So yeah. having that long term, those long term relationships, you know, yeah. Daniel, I've yeah. known you fairly long now. Yeah. And yeah. having the long term relationships is key. This was a guy that I worked with 12 years ago. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And when he was working for a homeless agency and I was mm-hmm. producing their event 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and 12 years later, he is sitting in a room with county health officials trying to figure out how to ramp up their testing. Yeah. And he, and and somebody said, let's call Phil. So I get a phone <laughs> call telling me what they're trying to do. And can you I thought it was going to be a month or two of a consulting gig where I yeah. kind of help them and, and set things up. Right. But what right. it turned into was over a year. Um, and I'm still working with them on on building and staffing. Um, first, it was testing sites, and then it grew into vaccination, vaccination sites. Yeah. These pop up ones that you see, you know, where yeah. you see the tent set up and the tables and chairs and the people in lines and yeah. the queuing and you know the volunteers and vests and all that kind of stuff. I help them. I, I help them make that happen. So yeah, for awesome. me, it was an easy yes when I got the phone call because. I knew I was out of work. I didn't know for how long. I, yeah. I certainly wasn't making money at bingo. 
Um, or and all the consulting, all those phone calls that you said about, I wasn't charging people for that. I was. Yeah. This is this is just me sharing knowledge. Yeah, you know. Totally. So so yeah. I had no idea, you know, where the money was going to come from, and then this happened, and yeah, so awesome. I negotiated a contract with the county and worked for them for um, since. You know, it's been about a year. I started working for them in in May of last year. Yeah, um, that's cool. So that How funny. Was, yeah. that was a lucky pivot. That wasn't something I sought out. You know. Yeah. But I, you know, if if I can, if and you know this too, it's all about relationships. And yeah. when you work for yourself and you're trying to build your own business or your own brand, or it's all about relationships. And yeah. this was yeah. a relationship I made a while ago that paid off. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Yeah. You talk to people and they want to figure like, oh, what's the key to success or building a business, you know? And then, you know, there is the whole kind of weird slimy thing of like networking. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's really just, you know, serve people, be nice to them, have have great relationships. Right. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, know, and that's the thing is I feel like from my even the first time I met you. Yeah. Yeah, That's what I say. I feel like with you, I feel like it's always been. It's always just been from a place of like honesty and helpfulness, not of like, oh, how can I build my business? You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 But cool. that pays off. You know, all, all those yeah. all those phone calls of free advice, it yeah. pays off because eventually somebody's going to call and say or, you know, even working with you guys for a while. I got other business from that because people yeah. went to your pickup parties and said, wow, who helped you put this together? Oh, this guy, Phil from Philco. And then I would get a call. So, um, that's when you're, when in the business that I'm in, it's all about reputation and integrity and and hanging onto those relationships. Yeah. I think actually you were the ones who turned us on to gather town as well. Yeah. Was that, yeah, I I found that that. I've gather town and then I've, I found a couple more since and the one we're using for, so we move. We we continue to do the Sofa Music Festival online, yeah. and we actually, right now, if I can plug it, we yeah, every are doing, Sunday, right? <laughs> we are doing every Sunday. Um, it's called Sofa in Space, and yeah. we use a platform yeah. called Spatial Chat, huh. and um, it's a platform where you can um, where you can do a live show, um, live streamed into a room, and people can enter the room, and you can actually talk with the people. Who are in the room so you know you're in san jose and your friends in san francisco you both like the same band you can show up watch the band performing live and have a conversation with that person like you're in a zoom chat face to face where you can actually see them and hear them live so it's a pretty cool platform for that because it's like going to a bar Um, because when you go to a bar to see a show some people will stand right in front of the stage and watch the show the whole night. And some people right. will hang out at the back by the bar and have a conversation with their friends. And it's yeah. just, you know, this room gives you that, uh, that same feeling. You can go right up to the stage and that's all you hear is the music or you can back away. The music gets softer and whoever you're standing next to, you can have a conversation with. Yeah. So that sounds really cool. It, it mimics real life in a fun way. And you're doing that every Sunday. Is that was it every, every Sunday in May? Every Sunday or is it gonna be from every... four to six. Yeah, through when? Sorry. Through um, it's going to be until when? Oh, um, well, we advertise it as through the end of May, but we're doing it until June twentieth. So we're okay. going to add it, you know, add on um, up until June twentieth, and then June twentieth is when we hope to be our first big outdoor concert. 
Um, and that's kind of, that's, that's tentative right now. You know, it all depends on what the governor says and does on June 15th. Um, but if he opens things up, like he said, then we can have an outdoor audience. We're still going to do it. Um, we're still going to do it virtually. Uh, sofa will be in space for an indefinite amount of time. Um, because, well, we've, we've developed an audience outside of San Jose. So sofa is more about, it's not just a location anymore. It's more of an attitude and, and, and a, and a community. Um, and this community of of musicians, uh, really enjoys checking in. We have, you know, friends, friends of ours like Sakura and Steely Mm -hmm. Nash have moved to Austin and they're performing in Austin. Well, they can still perform at sofa because um, they can, they can do it live in their town and we can live stream it. Um, to wherever people are. Yeah. So all of our favorites, it doesn't matter if they move out of town anymore. They can still be part of the, of the, of the sofa events. Yeah. So for over the, you know, even this last year, but even more looking back at your years of being in San Jose, was there ever a particular time where you've just really felt like, I mean, you just hit some roadblocks that you were like ready to just cash yeah, in? And- I, um, I, I actually, um, I almost packed it up one time. I was, I was <laughs> interviewing. I love New York City, and I go there whenever I can, and I have a lot of, yeah. a lot of friends there. You um, help out, don't you? Help and, out with an event there annually too. Or yeah, something? I, I yeah. do a couple of different events there. Um, yeah. One in March, one in June, and one in November. Yeah. So I fly back and forth a lot, and um, I, uh, I was asked to interview for a job with Comedy Central. Um, oh, wow. this was maybe 10 years ago mm-hmm. and, uh, and a little more than 10 years ago, maybe 15. Um, and I was ready. I was ready to give it up. I had, I had had some frustrations, you know, um, the nightclub business and the sofa district was a lot of fun, but, um, but the city c- came down on, um, yeah. on us quite a bit. I don't know if you were here when they used to, um, yeah. send the cops down and close mm-hmm. the streets at one thirty in the morning. And, uh, you know, shine flashlights on you until you got to your car and then they'd force you onto the freeway. So it was we lost so much business because of that, because people like, uh, you know, I don't want to be treated like a criminal just because I want to go out and have a good time. And just because I, I, you know, I go drinking and and I felt also it was irresponsible and unsafe to force people onto the freeway five minutes after last call. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because that drink doesn't even hit them until they're in the car. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, so we were trying really hard to get them to allow clubs to stay open till three, um, just for dancing. And sure, you know, yeah. it's not it's it's not a it's a proven concept. Lots yeah. of other places in California are open past two without alcohol. Right. I worked in a bar for years in San Francisco that locked up all the alcohol at ten minutes to two, yeah. and um, and stayed open until four a.m. It was not a big deal. It's yeah. you know. Um, but they just refuse to listen to it. And we actually have an ordinance, a city ordinance that says no dancing after two. Um, oh, really? So they would have had to change the ordinance. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No wow. dancing. It's like That's it's illegal crazy. to dance after 2 a.m. <laughs> it should never be illegal to dance. <laughs> I know. I know. And you find these things. You Is know, this you footloose? Find out these things. <laughs> I know. That's how we felt about it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there was a time, um, yeah. when I was ready to pack it up and go. And, um, so in, when I, so when I, when the job didn't happen, 
I, um, I decided to move to San Francisco. So I bought a condo up in the mission and moved up there. I was still working down here, but I was living there. So I felt I had more of a, more of a life, um, living in San Francisco. But then over the years, San Jose got a lot better and San Francisco got a lot worse. And, and now I feel like this is a much better place to live. Um, and so I sold my condo up there. I bought a place down here and, and, um, and I've been living here for a long time. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, I've always had, I've, I've always had contacts and connections here. Um, but my heart wasn't always here, you know, and yeah, you've sure. known me pretty much since I decided that, that my heart is here. This is where I'm going to stay. Yeah. 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 That's cool. But that's yeah, cool. it is, it, it can be real frustrating to live here. Um, and, and in my business, both the bar business and the event business, because it's a struggle because you're the ones that they come down on when anything goes wrong, you know, yeah, um, because yeah. you're a big public event, you know? Yeah. So what's some of the things that, you know, with your history with San Jose, what's some of the things that you're kind of excited about? I know COVID kind of put a pause in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a couple, a couple of things. Um, first off, I'm really excited about what's happening in SOFA right now. And, and I, almost to say that we're at SOFA 3.0, um, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, because post COVID, there's a bunch of new businesses opening down there. Some I can talk about and some I can't yet. Um, but, yeah, but yeah. I'm excited and, um, the, you know, the blocks that have been empty, you know, are filling up, um, Forager has, has restarted, um, been reborn by, with a new with a new place. Um, yeah. Uh, the guild house, the yeah. guild house. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I do believe it's public knowledge uproar. that, uh, that, uh, that uproar has, um, has a new, uh, they shut down and there's somebody new coming in there. Um, I, actually, you know, I, I have, I, I've heard some rumors and maybe this is something you can't talk about. Maybe you don't know, <laughs> but would they happen to be somebody that's from Santa Cruz that does beer? Um, no, that is not that oh, there's dang. no truth to that rumor. And that got denied online oh, okay. too. Um, you, you missed it because oh, okay. people were asking in, in downtown dwellers about that. Um, yeah, no, yeah. I, I can confirm that it's not a Santa Cruz brewery. Um, okay. I can also <laughs> confirm that it is a local brewery and a local restaurant that are teaming up. So I'm really excited about oh. that. We have to pause the recording to hear it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two different. Yeah. I haven't said who, so I think I can say that. Right. And, um, yeah. and then right next to them, DoorDash is moving into the neighborhood with a brand new concept. And, uh, oh, and that's going to be a lot of fun when people see what that's. Oh, about. is that going to be in the space that, uh, owned, owned by the same guy as owned the forager building? Yes. Yes. Right across the street, they used to be with the cars in it. And stuff. Yep, used to have the cars in it. It's it's right next door to yep. the um, to the Miami Beach Club. Yeah, in between Miami Beach, there's a blank space in between Miami Beach and Uproar, and that and and yeah. they're going in there right now. Um, yeah. And then um, you know the the gym is coming back in a big way, and yeah. the uh, and um, Patisco's is amazing. Oh, if you great. haven't been there, yeah. Have you have you? Yeah, it's incredible food. I yeah, really good yeah. food. And that's the Adega folks. Um, so it's Portuguese, yeah. small plates. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. I'm probably not. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, the new coffee shop is great. Nirvana Soul. 
Um, so if a market is, is coming back and refilling some of their vacant spaces. So I feel like, you know, that's the, that's the first thing I'm excited about. And the second thing, and you and I have talked about this and you know that I've been trying to do this for a while is, um, is the Levitt Pavilion. And I think the timing right now, post COVID to build a free outdoor, um, music pavilion that the entire community can enjoy, um, with 50 mm-hmm. free shows a year uh, outside in St. James Park, the timing is perfect. Yeah. So that's something that is um, my next big project um, that I'm working yeah. on to trying to make happen. So. Yeah, that's cool. Right. Look at that, man. You're making a definitely making a change down here. Yeah. Well, I've always, I've always wanted to, you know, I mean, we, t- I'm at the age where I can start using the legacy word, you know, so I, <laughs> and, um, I, I'm, I'm thrilled to have Sofa as a, as a legacy, you know, and to be able to look back on that and say, wow, I started that, you know, I was there in the beginning yeah, yeah. and me and a handful of us, um, saw yeah. the opportunity and, and made something happen down there and, and stuck with it, yeah. you know, and, you know, you, you've got to praise the property owners down there who stuck it out, um, you know, yeah. and, and people who bought property and turned it around and, and, and dealt with the ups and downs of the neighborhood. But it's a pretty cool place. And I'm thrilled that the farmer's market is down there and there's a lot more people yeah. going down yeah. there now. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, it's happening. It's fun. What's something um, you, that you're kind of looking for uh, at, you know, post COVID SIP masks? What's kind of, what's kind of, what are you looking forward to in the vaccination world? Uh, well, um, I think just, just being able to, to do outdoor events without the, um, without the process and the details you know, we, we took yeah. for granted, you used to be able to just, okay, just make it safe and fun and, you know, put on your event. And, and now the safe part of it, um, it, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, we, after, after, you know, Gilroy was only, was only two years ago. So, you know, there's a lot of scary parts from that. Um, and it, so we still have that to think about. And now keeping people um, COVID safe. Um, so, so I look forward to the day when, you know, public events um, are easy. <laughs> and, and I think that eventually, um, eventually we'll get there because people will appreciate um, going outside more um, when they, you know, when we're at the point where we can go without a mask outside. And we can talk to people without asking if they're vaccinated. Um, it's still good to know, obviously, but we'll get we'll get to the point where it's not um, a life or death question. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's cool. Um, what do you have for kind of like your guiding philosophy of life? What kind of uh, wow? What drives you? <laughs> <laughs> um, I try. You know. For me, um, it's it's about respect and integrity, um, and uh, I tend to um, I love finding people who um, who uh, can use a little help, um, or communities that need a little help, or 
I, I like seeing potential in people or in communities. And, and this is how I feel about Levitt right now is the potential is amazing. It's transformative. Um, it's happened in eight other cities um, where they've taken blighted space like St. James Park which is so underutilized and such a gem yeah. in our city. And, yeah. and they've, they've made them alive. And by doing these free shows and activating the park, uh, people start to enjoy them again. Everybody enjoys them. And that doesn't mean yeah. you know, the first question people say to me, well, how are you going to get rid of the homeless people? I'm like, we're not. They, everybody is right. welcome yeah. to enjoy this. It's, yeah. it's an inclusive, free event. This isn't about building something that kicks other people out. This is about building something that everybody can enjoy. Um, so, uh, so that's, you know, um, I guess for, for me, it's always been about um, finding things that bring people together, that make them happy, um, and um, that they can walk away from with a good experience, you know, and that's how yeah. I've always run my events. That's how I ran my nightclub. Um, it's just been, yeah. it's kind of been that underlying, you know, uh, have, have a, have respect for everybody that comes in the room, uh, take responsibility and, and follow the rules and the guidelines, but make sure people have fun. Yeah, that's cool. What, um, what do you do then for you to kind of like, uh, restore yourself or, you know, to make sure that you're, you're, <laughs> that Phil is filled up? <laughs> um, well, for the, for somebody that, um, that spends so much time in the public. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but what, one thing, and you know, this about me, Daniel is I'm not in the event business for the, um, uh, for the notoriety. notoriety. I'm not the right. person yeah. that is, I'm not the front man. You know what I mean? I'm not the right. person that's yeah. out there saying, Hey, this is my event. I'm always the guy behind the scenes. And that's kind of how I keep my sanity. There'll always be <laughs> a lot of these events that I do. There are other people's events and I'm a contractor. So, so yeah, I, they right. tell me, Phil, make this happen. And I make it happen. Um, and then yeah. they step in front of the cameras or they're the ones whose name is in the paper. And, and that's, yeah. that's kind of how I keep saying. And then when it gets, when it all gets to be too much, um, I can, I can actually, I, I kind of cocoon, you know, I love having a day with nothing to do. I don't even answer my phone. I'll, I'll turn on the <laughs> yeah. TV and I'll make three meals in my own kitchen and sip coffee and, um, and spend a whole day doing nothing. And that, that's a real treat yeah. for me. Other people take vacations. Um, yeah. I, I kind of, I kind of cutting off all contact, um, and it pisses people off, you know, but, but eventually <laughs> there'll be a day yeah. when somebody's like, I tried to reach you all day yesterday. I'm like, yeah, that was the day I wasn't answering my phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a day you were off. That's okay. That was a day, a day off. off. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to do that because Saturdays and Sundays, yeah. you know, people have weekends for that. I don't want my events are on right. weekends, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You could easily put in, in two days, you could put in 40 hours, right? With the event, right? Yep. Yep. So but that doesn't a, mean you have the rest the of the week off, you know, because right. you, you've, been, <laughs> yeah. you've been working 10 hours a day to get to the point where it's event day. And then afterwards, yeah. you, you, you still have to, you still have to clean up, follow up, do the reports, um, and then start prepping for the next one. So, 
having those yeah, having yeah. those uh, days in between, I, you know, I take maybe one a month if I'm lucky, but but they're they're pretty yeah. special to me. What's a place maybe you're looking forward to going? Is it New York once the yes. you know things kind of um, yeah yeah and, and what's terrible is um, uh, plane tickets are ridiculously expensive right now. Um, oh, they got yeah. you. They know that everybody's planning to go somewhere and can't wait to do it. So and they got to make up kinda, a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so yeah. I used to pay two or three hundred dollars for a round trip, and now it's five or six. Um, oh, but I'm really? still going to go, wow. you know, I, I need to go, yeah. I'm going to go for my birthday in June. Um, so the end of June and, uh, that's, you know, that, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I'll get to see my family. I have family back there. Um, so see family yeah. and friends and, and spend a couple weeks, um, and then come back and, and kick ass this summer. We've got some events coming back. So yeah. I'm very excited. I think summer is going to be fun. Yeah. I'm yeah. very excited about it too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, well, thank you, Phil. Like I said, I really appreciate, um, you know, just the way that, you know, you've kind of helped us newcomers, but at the same time, you just, your history here. Um, I really yeah. appreciate it. And, um, it I seems like funny you, to, you know, like you do. It, yeah, it, it's funny to hear you say you're a newcomer, um, because in, <laughs> in our relationship, yes, but you, you and the magazine have done so much in the past, what is it? Well, seven, nine. It's going to be ten years. Almost It'll ten, be years. ten yeah. years. Yeah. So yeah, but I think though that's the thing though. Like you and Chris Esparza and Brendan and the Borkenhagens and you know Dan Crano and do you know what I mean? Yeah. They, yeah. You guys have been around here. Um, you know, I feel like the thing is like I've been able to benefit from your guys's experience and the paving that you've had to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then, there, there has to be a I mean? pioneer, you know, there has to be people yeah. who, who take the hard knocks in the beginning and, and all of us did yeah. all those people that you mentioned. Yeah, you, know? you definitely did. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. What's one thing that you, um, are, have learned about yourself through this last 14 months? Oh. 15, um, I've learned that it's, um, I've always had a hard time with, uh, with success, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Hmm. I've always struggled with, because, uh, you know, I defined success for you earlier. I, I like making other people's events successful. I I like, but I've never made a lot of money doing that. Right. So Mm -hmm. I've always been the guy that helps out. I started as a volunteer, um, when I started getting paid, it wasn't, you know, uh, uh, I don't get, I don't get paid big, big money to do what I do. Um, and then when the job with the County came up, um, I, you know, I had never done anything like this before. So I just threw out some numbers, you know, this is what, uh, this is what I should get paid. And, um, and then, and I thought I threw out the numbers based on short term because I thought it was going to be a month Mm -hmm. or two. Um, but yeah. long term, you know, that those numbers built up and I've started to feel <laughs> what I've learned is, you know, getting paid for what you do is OK. And uh, yeah. and um, and you're worth it. And honestly, yeah. you know, they they had budgets that they needed to spend to make things happen. And um, yeah. and I was able to help them make things happen that they needed to do. And it, it cost them less to work with me than to, than to bring in other people. So, 
So it was kind of a win-win and, and I felt okay about that. And I feel okay about, you know, um, I was able to, uh, I used to have uh, tenants in my house and now I have the house to myself and I'm okay with that. So I learned to kind of <laughs> yeah. embrace this lifestyle of it's, it's not lavish, but it's, I'm more comfortable yeah. than I was, you know? Yeah. So I, I, well, that's good. I like that. Yeah. And, and, and I You're also, I'm blessed. Um, I, I don't, yeah. uh, I, I consider myself extremely lucky that I was, you know, that my name popped into the room on that day. Um, and that yeah. I was able to stay, um, healthy and working through a year when a yeah. lot of people, um, did not. Uh, yeah. so, yeah. and I wasn't getting, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't getting paid by, a large corporation to stay home and, and work, I was still, you know, I was still out there every day um, in the community facing the, facing the challenge of surviving a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and so that yeah. felt really good to be able to do that. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's Thanks, good. Man. And I'm looking forward to uh, this summer, you know? Yeah. You yeah. I'm looking forward yeah, to the, so. to the first in-person pickup party when, as soon as that is ready to happen. <laughs> Me too. I think that's the thing that's making me the most depressed is that I just like those pickup parties. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was definitely the coolest party in town. You guys are great. Well, that was fun. Thank you for your help with it. So thank you for taking time to, okay, to sure. tell your story and hanging out too. I appreciate it. So, um, all right, this yeah, was fun. We'll talk to you later. All right. Take thank care. You. Bye. All right. To find out more about Philco events, go to their website, philco.com, and follow them on Instagram at philcoevents. Thank you for listening to the Content Magazine podcast. Follow us on social media at Content Mag. Visit our website to become a member and help us to continue to tell the stories of the local creators. This episode's music is Tang by Chris Inman, who was featured in issue 13.2. Follow him on Spotify at Chris Inman and on Instagram at Chris.Inman, as well as his record label, Orange Label Records.